welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who self-reported as eligible for this pod. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How are you doing? I like it, and you led right into my intro. Been debating all morning. Should I say it? Should I say it? Go. We're going to say it. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> uh, no, I, 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 the Cowboys are the one sports team I really still have allegiance to from, from my Texas upbringing. Sorry to the Lions fans, though. You guys got gypped. Uh, kind of amazing that, that the Cowboys are even in position to win that game after some god-awful clock management yeah. down the stretch. So, Cowboys and Lions, man, I, I, I've always felt they have a lot in common. Two teams that just find crazy ways to lose and break your heart all the time. I guess maybe everyone says that about their sports team, but um, my lifetime, man, two teams that are that are uniquely good at it. I'll tell you what, it was a hell of a game to watch, and obviously from my perspective, being able to do that with my uh, basically my entire family, especially my father, um, was great. And we were, I'll, maybe I'll post this on Twitter, we were on the side of, of, uh, of that play, and uh, and even even though the play didn't count, the emotion of being able to share that moment with my dad of seeing Decker score that two point, you know, all that mm. stuff like that, you can't take that away from me. You know what I mean? And uh, and it was yeah, it was a hell of a game. It was, it was a game I'll remember the rest of my life for various reasons, and, and we'll be talking about it for years. And I'll tell you what, uh, for any Cowboys fans that are listening, uh, great great uh halftime ceremony to honor jimmy johnson i remind everybody he was an oklahoma state cowboy before he was a dallas cowboy and to see like bob Lilly and staubach and dorsett and aikman and woodson and irvin and smith and i now maybe i'm missing one or two charles haley uh all on the staubach baby yeah all on the field at the same time uh Really cool, really cool moment to uh, to witness that as well. So uh, okay, so, still a great so time. it's 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 January first. No one cares about baseball. This is this is more <laughs> interesting. Um, a trying to explain to my girlfriend why Jimmy Johnson's going into the Ring of Honor like thirty <laughs> years after you know the Super Bowl run was took a while, and she's just like, wait, so why is it just now happening? And then trying to explain <laughs> <laughs> reporting as eligible, which I like halfway understand. That was that was an adventure as well. Um, so when, okay, when did you realize a flag was thrown after your, your uh, heartfelt celebration with your father? So it was thrown late, first of all. So I remember, yeah. so like, it, I'm not looking at the field after the score. And, and to be honest, like I'm looking the whole time and I see Skip run in and I just assume like apparently the white hat did that he's reporting as eligible. Uh, and the referee, uh, Brad Allen, I think his name is did tell the defense 70s eligible like i'm looking at that the entire time now obviously at the game there's there's i don't have like obviously the benefit of the broadcast and all this stuff and i'm not i'm trying to not be on twitter while i'm you know at sporting events as much as possible so i'm not really understanding what's going on i assumed it was a correctly called foul at the time and then as we leave the stadium i get on and people are texting me and I'm like, oh, okay. And then you see the videos. You see, you know, Campbell say I explained a pregame. You know, all this stuff. I mean, it. And I, I was explaining to my wife. I was like, the ref can't just go back and say, oh, I mistook who I said was eligible. So therefore, we pick up the penalty. That's not how it works. He made the mistake of calling Skipper eligible, seventy eligible. So like, it's just after that, it's however it plays out. They were called correctly for the foul based on what the white hat said the thing is he said the wrong thing 
but you can't like go back on that you know what i mean and to be fair i'll be fair here the cowboys have perhaps the best kicker it's indoors 20 i've been telling people that one time seconds left one time out with 23 seconds they could definitely it's conceivable that they could have gotten into uh field goal range so that is in fairness to that and also i don't blame dan campbell for just keep going for two you're trying to get out of there with a win uh typically we're on the road you know they were an underdog like, you want to end that game as quickly as possible. You don't want to take the chance of a coin flip and then a whole nother drive. And, you know, and, and also and also another thing no one's bringing up, it was more important for the Lions to get out of that game healthy than it was for them to win, really. Like, a win would have been nice, but a win with, let's just say, like a Decker injury would have been worse. You know what I mean? So that that's the main thing. That's another reason why you probably don't want to play for overtime. And if he told the team the whole time we're going for two, then you just keep going. Uh, so, and a defensive, it's just funny, a defensive slugfest, like we all expected. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Didn't run into too many terrible Cowboys fans. Uh, but, uh, well, I guess my wife did, but she was sitting in the stands. I was in like the handicap area with my dad. So typically people don't talk shit to you. Sorry for light language. When you're rolling a guy with one leg, <laughs> they, they, they tend to be a little nicer. <laughs> But uh, st- still an uh, awesome experience, and from a historical perspective, the Jimmy Johnson stuff was uh, a lot of fun. So, uh, all right, let's uh, let's we we could keep going, but let's move on to the baseball. Happy New Year, everyone! First of all, I hope uh, the holidays were wonderful for you all and your families. I hope twenty twenty four will have a lot of excitement ahead, both personally and perhaps for the Detroit Tigers, because we keep getting new additions to this team. Yeah, so first let's kind of backtrack a little bit. So the last time we talked, uh, the Flaherty signing was leaked. It was not announced yet because he had to do the physical, blah, blah, blah. It has since been announced. It, he has since spoken to the media. We heard from Scott Harris. Uh, I, I kind of want to get – this is the only way we can kind of gauge because we had some questions, right, about what his fit was, what his specific role was. Uh, and we finally got Scott a little bit, and uh, so I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Did you come away with any more clarity um, as to the reasoning for the signing? Um, I did see Scott basically saying the company line of now it's on us. Like, we got him at a discount because of X, and now it's on us to provide him with the resources, opportunities, blah, 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 uh, to, uh, to make him the best pitcher he can be or, you know, whatever lucid language he used there. But it's... but. It seems to me they actually really did want him, and they and they do have something in mind for like what he can do uh, wearing the old English D. Yeah, I mean, I think when the Flaherty signing was leaked, confirmed, whatever, uh, my biggest question was like, okay, what what do they like about this guy? Like, what's their plan? Because normally it's not hard to see that with Flaherty. I thought it kind of was just looking in the numbers. I think after talking to Scott, my just my interpretation of what Scott Harris had to say was a this guy can be a really good pitcher like he was a received Cy Young votes in 2019 he's been hurt a lot since then pretty good guy to take a chance on now I'm not sure how much I believe that because 2019 although it still feels like yesterday pre-pandemic a little bit that's like five years ago now it's kind of been a while um this guy reached some high highs and has never since returned to that level injuries have had a lot to do with it now, I think the thing that, that Scott explained were that maybe could have swayed me a little bit. It all has to do with his slider. The grip, the release, the shape of Flaherty's slider. 
has not been the same in a while, particularly last year. It was not the same pitch for him. Uh, the Tigers want to get to work on a slider. We know they have smart people who can help improve pitchers with Robin Lund and Chris Fetter, some guys who are really good at pitch design and pitch shape and all these modern terms we use. And if you can get Flaherty's slider to be a little more effective, if you can get that bite, um, maybe you can see uh, a world where there is still some more upside for Flaherty. He's going to have to be able to go to that slider and miss bats. He missed, uh, he got whiffs on 45.2% of swings in 2019, only 26.5% in 2023. So there's been a precipitous decline in the effectiveness of his slider. I think that's a big enough decline that it's still kind of worrying. Like you're not just going to snap your fingers and boom, you're going to miss 20% more bats. But that is, I think, kind of the, um, the, the potion the Tigers are hoping to use uh, to get better results out of Flaherty in 2024. We kind of got like a little bit of a glimpse into Scott's sales pitchiness uh, a little bit, or his process of sales pitching too. Uh, I don't know how mm-hmm. often he kind of goes into this bag, but at least it stood out to me this time where he's talking about, look, we think he's really talented, but at the same time, we were very clear about the things that we want him to improve on or what we can work with him on or whatever. And, We've seen about as many instances of this, Cody, as you can have in two off-seasons of this guy heading the, the front office of how he's selling Detroit. I think we can kind of get a little bit of, of, a, of a good grasp about how he's selling Detroit to, especially pitchers, especially pitchers on short-term deals. We'll talk about another one here in a second, but I think we're – more more so when I'm looking at big picture of the Flaherty signing and these other signings, I, I think I think we're getting a grasp on what Scott wants the organization's reputation to be. And and he's followed through on it so far. I think the most important takeaway from that is that players seem to be buying it and believing it. The Tigers clearly go to guys and say, we have a plan for you. We think we can help you improve. In theory, every organization should be doing the same to free agents, but something about the way the Tigers are selling it, okay, and and I know these people involved, Chris Fetter's a really sharp guy, AJ Hinger's a really sharp guy, Scott Harris, uh, when he has, he's a sharp, he's a sharp guy, when he has a plan to communicate, he is very good at hitting, you know, each point on the head and driving it home, you saw that in his introductory press conference, um, so I can see why a player would sit down and be impressed. It's going to take a little more time to continue to build evidence, but they do have some credence in, hey, look how we helped Michael Lorenzen. Look how we've helped um, even some other younger guys in our system, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, Reese Olsen. Uh, so in theory, other teams are pitching a similar idea Um, every time you hear these, these free agents talk after they sign with the Tigers, it's like, yeah, I sat down with, um, AJ and Scott and they laid out a plan for me and it was exactly what I wanted to hear. And we're ready to get to work. Tigers are going to, Flaherty's already met with a couple people in the org. He's supposed to meet with, I believe at least one of the pitching coaches a couple times before spring training. Uh, so these, these guys get to work like, and, and I think players tend to appreciate that. And like you were kind of saying earlier, it seems obvious, but the only reason it's not is because it's not as common as you as you would think, you being the general person. 
uh, because the Tigers have not ever basically, and all indications under Scott Harris, are not going to just be like, all right, I'm going to go after the guy that wants the fast check. Like, that's, right. just, that's just not how the organization is going to be run. Uh, really, in most cases, nor should it, uh, in general. So they're they're executing a specific plan in mind. So in terms of I've said this before, in terms of doing what you set out to do, you got to give Scott a passing grade like he did last year. It doesn't mean like results will necessarily be great or whatever, but in terms of seeing out your process, credit there. Part of it also, we can move on to uh, Shelby Miller signing. I don't have a whole lot to say about it, except. Uh, my usual joke, Cody, of, so you're telling me that Scott Harris bought low on a guy with tools and gave himself uh, contractual flexibility with it. No way. I've never heard that before. <laughs> one year for $3 million with a club option of $4.25. Uh, decent club option at that, by the way, uh, for, yeah. for the second year. And there's like a lot of performance uh, bonuses in there as well, which, you know, it's all well and good. Uh, Shelby Miller, kind of a, you know, Interesting little career to this point, up and down. It it seemed like Definitely. it seemed I, like he was a guy that like they liked at least enough of what they saw toward the end there in twenty three to 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 bring him in. Again, they probably gave him the same sales pitch as well. And uh, the way they were talking about him, we haven't talked about it too much yet, Cody. Because I think we're you know this will be a heavy thing, spring training and all that stuff. It's not necessarily very – it's not that clear at the back end of the bullpen right now. And I think we're going to see some Miller close opportunities. Like, and not a few either. I think that, that – how much, how much would you give me to, to call A.J. Hinch right now and say, hey, who's, who's going to be your closer? <laughs> uh, well, we'd probably go viral, that's for sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh... – AJ, of course, does not like the term closer. We will see how this unfolds. They do have another closer candidate now in Shelby Miller. I like, like, when the Tigers signed Flaherty, it was very reasonable to assume they were kind of done can, get, handing out major league deals. Um, and anyone who thought that, which I kind of thought that, you were wrong. Uh, Scott Harris stayed active. Was another deal done before Christmas. Like, he's he's just been hitting the pavement. I like it. You know, you add some reinforcements to their bullpen. That was a little bit of one of my criticisms of last offseason. The bullpen was good. There was a world in which it could have been even better had A.J. Hinch had another reliable lefty to de- deploy, maybe even a more established veteran right-hander to deploy, in addition to Lang and Foley and Tyler Holton. Well, this year the Tigers are going to have that in Chafin and now Shelby Miller. Miller, like, I remember when this guy was a big-time prospect coming up with the Cardinals, when he was one of the better young pitchers in the league, as you said. Uh, a little bit of an up-and-down career arc. There have been some injuries. Really reinvented himself last year with the Dodgers, probably the best player development organization. Only pitched 42 innings, but he had a one seven one ERA. Almost surprised this guy didn't get a little more interest, a little more money, um in the free agent market, but he added a splitter that was really effective for him and, and could make him a, a weapon out of the bullpen. He did not pitch in a lot of leverage for the Dodgers um, last season. Guess what? For both Scott Harris and AJ Hinch, there's going to be a lot of flexibility in how you can use him as probably a guy that could go multiple innings. If you need, he could be low leverage. He could end up being your de facto closer. I don't know that there's a ton more to say about Shelby Miller, but 
uh, that, that's kind of the basics, and I, I think it strengthens your team. It strengthens your bullpen. So I, I really have nothing bad to say about this signing. Yeah, and again, I I applaud sticking to what you want this organization's ethos to be. Um, obviously, they're selling it well. I, I do think a lot of this is cliche, but I do think there's – there's, like I said, there's enough evidence there to support the fact that this could be a little bit of a pitching rehab factory in Detroit as long as the infrastructure is in place. And and you got to give credit to Scott and Chris and AJ and everybody to, you know, pull guys from different organizations, including the Dodgers, right, that, uh, that, that do this at a high level. So uh, there's been, over the past several years, you know, a decent turn, turnover in – scouting departments and departments of science and this and that and analytics and these broad terms that we use that are not specific nearly enough, which brings up the other reason that the Tigers mm-hmm. were in the news this week. Uh, a couple former scouts that were, I don't know if they were technically fired or laid off or what the correct term was uh, after 2020 season. So this is pre Scott Harris and all that stuff. Uh, are, it's important to know, like this was the yeah, Alavila regime, exactly. So it's kind of ironic in this sense, but they're essentially alleging civil rights violation, age discriminations, and I'm not gonna remotely try to be a lawyer and cipher this out about the specifics or whatever. You can read about it uh, yourself if you, for people that are far more qualified than I. But my first thought was just kind of glancing over it, Cody. Was this seems to be more of a Major League Baseball thing than like a Tigers thing? Uh, this, yeah, uh, I would, I would guess that this is probably going on in many organizations. Maybe not like the Yankees; they seem to have a pretty old guard there. But mm-hmm. like, they got a pretty big, robust new guard too. That's that is true. But like, th- this seems to be just kind of the flow, and I don't blame these guys for, you know, doing. I'm not criticizing them for bringing out this lawsuit or anything like that. Uh, but this has always kind of been the undercurrent. I would say when we talk about like analytics, performance science, is that all you do is you think about the Moneyball scene with the scouts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Jonah Hill and, and that dichotomy. And now I don't know if this is the first one, but it's the first one in a while that kind of has brought this to light. And also, the what makes it interesting is it throws in the pandemic aspect of it because yeah. they're alleging that the pandemic was used as a guise. To, yeah, to, to lay them off because in they essence, were... the scouts were told, oh, we have to reduce workforce because of the pandemic. And they're saying that was an excuse. They were not uh, offered to return after the pandemic ended and things got more financially stable. This one's kind of hard to talk about because you don't ever want to see anyone lose their jobs. At the same time, this has been going on in baseball for a while. This is not new. There's a bigger class action uh, suit that I believe is filed in Colorado right now. I mean, think about when Jeff Lunau took over the Houston Astros and got rid of a lot of people, replaced uh, them with a lot of nerds. Again, the A's were doing this a long, long time ago. Scouting departments have been being cut for a while. The Tigers actually kind of late to that party, um, especially under Avila. They were known for adding scouts while most other teams were Uh, slashing scouts Uh, to my knowledge there have been some changes in the scouting department but scott harris hasn't necessarily um shrunk the scouting department it's one of those things that it's when we talk about labor and all these other things you want to equate baseball to any other industry but at the same time pro sports just kind of aren't the same they exist in their own island man 
Like, like imagine if a, a 38-year-old player was cut from the roster because he's not good anymore. He can't say, well, this was age discrimination. It was like, well, you weren't performing. Uh, probably harder to quantify a scout's performance, but the reality is this game has changed a lot. Uh, I think I believe the scouts in the lawsuit claim that they had been willing and had already adapted to technology and analytics, and I'm, sh- I'm sure that is true in many cases at the same time. Um, imagine working in the tech industry. Someone who graduated with a computer science degree last year is going to have more knowledge than someone who graduated with a computer science degree in 1990. Like, so I don't know how things work in that industry, but, um, I don't know. Like, like it sucks for these guys at the same time. It's like, I don't know, man, you chose to work in pro sports and, and sometimes there's some harsh realities that come along with that. I will be interested. The, the, side of me that's interested in law will be interested to see how this plays out in a court setting, um, how the defense might argue such things. Um, because on paper, the scouts seem to have a pretty good case. And then in practice, it's like, well, okay, come on. Like this is, this is major league baseball. This stuff happens. The, I can tell you this, the attorneys are going to, uh, for both sides are going to do their damnedest to, uh, to get the most favorable judge, you know what I mean? Because you, right. you always, you, if you read about like actual real famous court cases or whatever, it's like you know got a judge who's favorable for this and got a judge who's favorable for that. You know, it'll be this district is you know whatever. So uh, that'll be very interesting. I, I, let me let me ask you this, and I, I want I want this to be intentionally broad because one of the things that that you do on a daily basis, at least during the season, is you're you're just around scouts. Scouts are everywhere, right? Yeah. So I I guess I would ask you generally. What is like? What is the modern scout now? Like, how? Do, like, are they? Do you see them as what you perceive them when you kind of entered this job? Have you seen any sort of like progression in the types of people that that you maybe interact with or don't interact with or just know or like you know conversations you may or may not have? Like, have you seen any sort of changing of of the of of just like scouts or scout team? Uh, in your time, you know, four or five years covering Major League Baseball? Yes, I mean, absolutely. I feel like you're trying to get me in trouble here because it's, it's never good to generalize or stereotype, but I will say younger scouts and older scouts do seem to speak a little bit of a different language, all right? That doesn't mean older scouts that I know are in there just saying these numbers are stupid, get rid of them, but you'll hear a little joke like, oh, my bosses just want the analytics. All they care about is this guy's spin rate. I'm looking to see how's he... How does he mix his pitches? Does he, you know, go after hitters with grit? You do hear a little more of that talk. And with the younger scouts, their job is still predominantly the eye test. So you do hear some of that stuff. And I also feel like you hear a lot more about the data and the scouts curious what a guy's data is and and, and looking at usage and pitch shapes and looking at things in a little more of an analytic matter. Like, again, that's broad, that's general, that's not everybody but there's a little bit of a difference, I think. And it's the same with writers. It's the same with players. Uh, people of younger generations talk and think about the game a little bit differently than most people of older generations. I mean, that's that's a, a reality. I was playing pickup basketball the other day, and I was like, man, growing up, we, we grew up in the era of, like, Allen Iverson and Shaq. It was all kind of about getting to the rim. And these kids these days are just trying to shoot threes, you know? <laughs> I was like, I, I pick up basketball is not even the same as it used to be. You just got dudes standing in the corner trying to be Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. 
so I don't know if that analogy fully hits, but it was just a thought that went through my mind. It's like, wow, I'm 30, and the way I play basketball is, like, outdated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, like I said, I think this is a general baseball thing. I mean, I remember it was news when uh, didn't the Car- – or not the Cardinals, the Astros, like, eliminate, like, advanced scouting, in-person advanced scouting. Like they, Yes, yes, yeah, that was a huge story. Yeah, and so, like – it's one of those things where I'm not here to tell you like what's better or what's worse. I'm just here to tell you it's different, you know? Uh, and and there are probably merits to both sides. I'll be very like I said, I'll be very curious to see how this uh how this lawsuit pans out, probably in like four years, because that's like, you know, how these Yeah, it, it'll probably end up just being dismissed or settled out of court or whatever. That's what usually normally what happens here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's do the the thing we love to do, Cody, and transition from something very serious. To something silly so it is new year's day we appreciate everybody listening uh go blue if that's uh if, if that's your shade uh michigan state guy myself but i don't have uh not rooting against jim harbaugh i might be rooting against his silly quotes uh about i might gamble against jim harbaugh I, i'm sorry I did... a little tied i'm just i'm just angry i'm trying to alienate as many <laughs> listeners as I possible did... today it's kind of take alabama plus the points but it's not because of an anti-Michigan thing, all right? I just, all right. Anyway, so hope for if you're going for the, the Wolverines, I hope you have a wonderful New Year's Day. Uh, let's kind of talk about as we are into the year 2024, Cody. I kind of jotted down some guys on the team, and I'm like, you know, this, this idea was sparked with the, you know, oh, you know, Taylor Swift just being in our lives more uh, this year than. Uh, yeah, my, my family uh, all believes that she is a witch and practicing witchcraft and, and trying to convert um, young American girls into into uh, pagans. So that that was a fun uh, holiday season. Yeah, that's discussion. a more fun theory than uh, some of the other ones I've seen floating around. But uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> it's not a theory. They believe it. Oh, man. If the listeners could could just like uh, can we just get video of you just sitting at the table with your family when when some of this is said because uh, I think that would be I think that would do record numbers uh, me personally but <laughs> I I mean how do you even react to something like that you know I just like that's come, like come, like that's not that's just not true like there's, that's like where do you nothing. even see that turns out it turns out it's like a growing thing we're gonna start hearing a lot more about it among the anti Taylor crowd. Uh, so, all right. Well, that's uh, more interesting than my Christmas. I can tell you that much. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the this this was all Taylor's era, right? This entire year, and you know, obviously, it's spanned a long time. But this was like a record-setting, like twenty twenty-three will be Taylor Swift's year, right? Uh, forever. So twenty twenty-four. Let's let's try to figure out what what era some of these tigers are in so see see if you follow uh, can follow along and, and we can just kind of talk about them each the first one's simple Tarek Skubal. is this guy is he about to enter into a Cy Young era or Cy Young adjacent is that is some of these are questions and projections right that's absolutely on the table is it not like like I think so I don't know if that I mean I, mean, I don't think that is um being a homer i mean i mean this guy was i believe the best left-handed pitcher in the american league when healthy last year so there's a pretty high ceiling granted there are not a lot of good pitchers in the american league last season but uh he 
he is up there with anyone. When he's on, he's been as good as anyone. What Tarek Skubal has to do is stay healthy and log 150-plus innings. And if he does that, I could absolutely see him being a Cy Young contender. I think he has a Cy Young ceiling. Um, I, I don't think I'm just saying that. There are scouts across the league who absolutely believe that. That's why Skubal has been a hot commodity. There's all these little, often unfounded, but not totally unfounded trade rumors. Because other teams really like Skubal. There's a high, high ceiling for this young man, and if healthy, he might just be able to finally reach it in 2024. You know, for the record, if I was, uh, I don't know, like the Yankees or the Dodgers, or not necessarily anymore, but any of these teams that, like, would have the ability uh, to, like, kind of try to make one of those trades like they want to, I'd be leaking all the time. <laughs> that, you know, you know, there's some people talking about Scooble, you know, on the market. Like, I'd be leaking that all the time just to kind of, like, speak it into existence. Uh, for the record, and obviously Cody does not gamble on baseball. Uh, uh, but for the record, he is plus eighteen hundred right now for the Cy Young. That's seventh, seventh in the American League. So plus eighteen hundred. So uh, so yeah, I think it's very much a possibility. Uh, let's let's go to a, a young hitter, Colt Keith. I had this thought. I'm gonna say it's rookie of the year. Uh, people are using the term dark horse. I feel like if you're calling Colt Keith a dark horse, that probably means you're not as familiar with his game you know he's like a consensus top 20 top 15 yeah. prospect like uh, yeah. dark horse is wait he's not giving him near enough credit coming into the season watch and then he flops and now we look like idiots but uh, <laughs> the tigers did this a complete tear down rebuild right and has produced several prospects that were top five top 20 whatever over the course of the uh, of the last several years no one has won Rookie of the Year. The, obviously, the last one for the Tigers was Michael Fulmer in 2016, but that wasn't uh, that wasn't rebuilding time. That was like retooling time and you know all that stuff. I think it would be kind of I don't want to say like a failure, but it kind of be like like a missed mark if during this time they didn't have with all these top prospects, all these top picks, somebody win Rookie of the Year. I think like it would almost feel like man, that's it's kind of interesting. Uh, so I think rookie of the year, is this the rookie of the year era for Colt Keith? Well, if you're a Tigers fan, you got to hope so. I mean, that's been my whole thing there. There's been so much to like this off season. So much is still dependent on these young hitters. So if Colt Keith plays at a rookie of the year level, that could go a long way into boosting the chances of the Tigers making the playoffs. It's just the common thing of how long will it take to adjust to major league pitching? There are guys who played in the big leagues last year who will still be rookie eligible, uh, who perhaps could have a leg up on Colt Keith. I would make a bold prediction and say, I think Colt Keith is going to adjust better to the major leagues than both Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson did. I don't know if that means he'll win rookie of the year. We'll see, you know, is he able to get to his power right off the bat? Uh, but this is a bat that can play. He's got a good plate approach. I think he can hit for some decent average next year. It's within the realm of possibility. I don't think he's he's probably the favorite, but I also don't think Dark Horse is really an apt term either. In terms of no one winning the Rookie of the Year, that's kind of like a subjective thing to judge a rebuild off of, but it's part of the reason this rebuild has took, taken so long to work because no one's really just come in and made a seamless transition to the major leagues. I mean... Scooble, Mize, they were really bad in that shortened 2020 season. They showed some glimpses, but the numbers were not there. Uh, Green, Torkelson obviously took a really long time to adjust to the big leagues. 
other guys, the Daz Camerons of the world, ended up being complete flops. So, uh, yeah, that that look if the Tigers are going to be for real in twenty twenty four, these young guys are going to have to not go through uh, as many growing pains, or at least minimize the growing pains compared to some of their highly touted brethren who have come up through the system. Yeah, you know, like if if I were like if you just like put the end result of Tigers win division and then you say like what are the top 10 reasons they got there there's not that many that you would put ahead of booming Colt Keith you probably put like Riley Green healthy full year uh Scooble, you know Cy Young type season uh, maybe one or I mean it's definitely top five. It might even be top if, three. If, if Riley Green is an All Star and healthy for the majority of the season, if Tarek Skubal is top five in Cy Young voting and Colt Keith wins Rookie of the Year, that could be a playoff team. Yeah. Now that's a lot of that. A lot of ifs. That's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of that's asking a lot, but that's not out of the realm of possibility. No, I agree. Um. Let's go right into Torque then. I, I have him labeled uh, he's in his hands era. And what I mean by that is obviously he has to continue to develop as a hitter. Now, we all love the uh, the 30 home runs, but he's got to have a – he's got to be a better overall hitter, obviously. You can't – this cannot be the plateau for Spencer Torkelson if for this thing to work out, right? Uh, and also fielding. I think – Outside of the scoopage, I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. What's the the scouting report uh, on the holes of his defense? Not not very natural hands. Is that it, or is absolutely it... yeah? Just kind of clumsy hands is is the simplest way I've been able to phrase it. Yeah, so he's he's got he's gonna have to be in his hands there. He's gonna have to improve at the plate and also get to. You don't want to put a label on it, but you would you it would feel a lot better if he was a league average first baseman, right? Like that that'd be. You feel a lot better about that. Would go a long way. That'd go a long way for sure. And I, and yeah, given his mobility, given the way he scoops, given who he is as an athlete, I think it's entirely possible. The hand, the I don't know, some of the grounders he missed or the pop flies he missed last year, that's concerning because I'm like, all right, if I were his infield coach, like what are we doing here? How are we helping this improve? And I don't know because for most infielders, the answer is the feet just based on my personal eye test, I don't see a lot of problem with Torque's feet. I think he's in good position for a lot of these balls that are hit to him. It's not like uh, Jamer Candelario, who two years ago was sliding around on his knees a lot, playing on skates. Like, I think, I think Torque seems to have a good base. So it's like, I don't know. You can throw him short hops with a pan glove all day. I'm sure he's been doing that since he was at Arizona State. So if that hasn't helped him by now, what does help him? Um, I don't know, but I will be uh, interested to see how this one plays out. I'm also going to be very intrigued to see what, how, how he's talked about and how he talks come spring training about what's going to be. Like, what's a leap for Torkelson is is one that I think is actually – I'm not trying to get into it right now, but, like, in general, that's kind of a fascinating discussion to me uh, because, because of all the things that, that we said. Like, what's a, what's a leap for Torkelson here? Because he – you know, this time last year, it was like, oof, hopefully – you know, <laughs> right. you know, you know, All right. So it's, it's a huge jump. We're talking about him completely differently, which is great. And then it's the reality. Okay. He was still like one point something war with a, a what? Three eighteen or something on base percentage. Um, yeah, three thirteen. Yeah. It, uh, three. Th- gosh, see, that's not very good, man. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we need that to be at least 350 if we're talking torque being a premium first baseman. To, to quote Matthew McConaughey, those are rookie numbers. you got to bump those numbers up. There uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, here's one. Jake Rogers. I don't think he's ever going to be in a new era. I think he's always just going to be in his biker era. He's a biker. He's a he's a biker as a catcher. Uh, I don't know. There will probably be some facial hair thing that he comes into spring training with that will have nice little notebook sections about how A.J. Hinch hates it. Uh, but to me, Jake Rogers, well, I, I saw he was at the Stars uh, Red Wings game a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, he's like, this guy will al- he will always be wearing a leather jacket in my mind. I don't know why. I just, he just always will. That's, that's, Aircoss was more the biker type. Come on, Jake's just a West Texas country boy, all right? He's got, he's got a little more of a Western vibe than the... In the biker well maybe that's just like that that's that that's my own implicit bias on it it's just like i right. i not not because obviously i don't see him interact with him like you do but just like i just see a little bit of a husky dude with a handlebar mustache and i'm just assuming harley davidson like i just am <laughs> uh so that, that that that's that's just me so well jake's arbitration eligible for the first time he's about to get a minor payday he can go buy a harley if he wants to let's let's see what he does when that first check hits because He's about to be making a little more cash. Yeah, good, good on him. Uh, Reese Olsen, he's in his 40 era. Uh, he changed his number, so you can't, like, it has to be the era when you change your number to something. So he's in his 40 era. Um, let's see. Here's one. Matt Veerling. To me, he's in his, uh, his can era. And what I mean by that is that, like, he can be at the top of the order if you want him to be. He could. He can be at the toward the back of the order. He can play infield. He can play outfield, but it's like, do you want him to X? Like he's he can do these things, but is it ideal for your team if you're having him do these things? He's in his can era. Speaks volumes about the Tigers because last year, pretty much everyone on the roster was in their can era. Now I think we feel a little bit more certain, or at least have more clear, um, a more clear outline for what players need to do to reach the next level veerling absolutely remains in the can era a little bit concerning because it comes down to the old player development adage like i don't care about what you can do sometimes what can you do all the time so far in matt veerling's big league career he's been a sometimes kind of guy uh the hardest thing to do top level athletics has become an all the time type of guy i have javi baez and this is part part era part sort of maybe a new year's resolution that i'm i know i'm gonna break he's in his first name only era i will try not to call him javi until he starts uh you know playing like javi bias until then he is javier so so he's in his first name only basis we took away the hot javi's fun javi's cool you know you gotta you gotta play yourself back in the hobby so until then he is javier He's in his first. I like that. First name only. I, I, I like that. I think that should be like a more of a thing on social media. He does something bad. It's Javier. When he does something cool, that's that's it, Javier. That's Javier. Yeah. I I think I think I think that tracks. Uh, let's see. Riley Green. All me for real era. I want to see all of Riley Green for real for an entire season. And we've talked about this a couple times over the course of the off season. Uh, how special he could be, blah, blah, blah. I want the all-me-for-real era Riley Green because, uh, again, we talked about that list that Colt Keats on, and you mentioned it. He's one or two 
in terms of where this and any leap he makes will be directly related to a leap with the entire organization uh, uh, in, in 2024. So Riley Green for real, and I'll be very curious to see how he uh, how he starts the season off, you know, health, all that stuff, how his offseason has been interrupted, all these things. Like, it's it's kind of a, a little bit of a personal test for him to see how he can adjust to not being able to have a normal routine, you know, so. This, this whole thing was inspired by Taylor Swift. Riley Green might just be the tiger most likely to date a celebrity in the future. All right. I, 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 to my knowledge, he is currently a single man. He is certainly not um, engaged or married. So a lot of these other guys are. A lot of the bigger, the, you know, the Scoobles, the Torks, they're in committed relationships. Riley Green, go have you an all-star season. Go get a long-term contract extension. I don't know. We need to promote the game more. Yeah. Riley Green, go do a couple commercials, man. See what's out there. Justin Verlander did it from Detroit. You can too. Yeah, we need we need glimpses into the owner's box. You know, it's like, wait, <laughs> why is I'm not even gonna say your name. Why is so and so in there? You know, why is Sydney Sweeney in there? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> oh god. All right. Well, speaking of men in committed relationships, uh, Casey Mize is happily married, and uh, for his era. I have the promises kept, the promises kept era for Casey Mize. He's coming back. We don't really, we just don't know, you know. And I remind everybody the number of career starts for Casey Mize. It is 39. Gosh, that's mind blowing every time <laughs> I hear it. So, can and it, it, it's, it's so easy to for, forget about. Like, he's the sixth guy we're talking about here. And I listed out all these other dudes who are so important to the Tigers having a shot to win. I think Casey Mize is the play, the single player I'm most interested to watch next year. Because the array of outcomes, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think anyone knows what to expect. And that's that's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, and hopefully he was able to have a pretty normal offseason. He's completely healthy. Uh, I think... I think there was like a world where the team shaked out a little differently. They could have trotted him out there uh, toward the end. That's pure speculation on my part. But I think it could have happened. So hopefully the benefit is he gets a full off season and we'll have to we'll have to see how he is and how AJ and Chris decide to handle him uh, will, will be very interesting as well. Uh, last one, or at least the last one I had jotted down. We can we you know keep talking about him if we want to. I, I really struggled with the Kerry Carpenter era. I like, like, because I was like, okay, well, he was, uh, is it a breakout thing? I was like, well, he, yes and no. Like, he did get on NLB Network last year. Like, he, people, it was one of those, if you know, you know, like, things with, with him, right? But he's still nationally, like, not anything that, no. you know, nobody knows who he is, you know? But, so I didn't want to be like unfair to him, be like, you could still break out, but it wouldn't be a breakout in the traditional sense as we think of it. And you know he's he's gonna he's gonna be an anchor in your lineup. He's gonna be another guy that if if this can if his projection continues, he will play a vital part in any success this team has. Uh, which again. Last year, coming in, we were like, eh, maybe, you know, him-ba-do, and 
And then it played out like really as it should have and kind of made us look a little silly for even questioning it. So I, I couldn't really come up with a, a Carrie Carpenter era because I wanted to do something with a pun with his name, like tools or something. But he really, not to be disrespectful, but it's it's pretty much one tool, you know, I guess maybe like two. No, it's, it's, yeah, you know, one and a half. Yeah, yeah, one and a half. So like, you know, so it's hard. But I'm very I'm excited for him this year. To, to to be another power left-handed hitter in the lineup, especially if there's any sort of, like, struggle for Green out of the gate just in general, like I said, offseason different, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's going to be needed. All right, he's, uh, I think he's in his model era for two reasons. Good-looking young man. There's some local, like, clothiers in downtown Detroit that, uh, that are, are pretty popular among, uh, I think, some of the local athletes. They should have Kerry Carpenter do a little ad. You know, you want to build your brand, uh, endorse one of these guys. Wouldn't, wouldn't cost you a whole lot right now at this point in Kerry Carpenter's career. Two, all right, this guy's swing is getting all over hitting Twitter. All right, he, he goes to Richard Skank, teacher man on Twitter. Um, interesting hitting coach, obviously works with Aaron Judge. Now that Carpenter's having success, there's a little more credence to say, hey, here's Kerry Carpenter's swing. Tigers are sending Javi Baez. To go see this same hitting coach this offseason. Um, th- this thing where you're just basically 95% on your back leg and you launch toward the ball uh, is, is getting more and more in vogue. It's what Carpenter does. He's going to be a model for um, more young hitters out there and also current major league professionals out there, including none other than Javier Baez. <laughs> well, uh, one, one just came to me. Uh, Jason Foley in his uh united era because he got his best friend back uh back back on the team <laughs> holy and chafing man i i die at some of those conversations i really hope they put their lockers together again next year just so we can hear differences between uh living in in new york city and differences living on your farm in ohio uh, also aj hinch is in the now my contract's not the most ma- talked about managerial contract in baseball era, thanks to Craig Council. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Alex Cora will probably be there next offseason, so maybe AJ gets to dodge that, except uh, st- still want to know exactly how long this thing is. You know, Still want to be able to get that fully reported. It'll be interesting again one of these days. AJ, I, th- I think AJ's in the win era, all right? You got all the security you wanted. You have had a role in picking the president of baseball operations. The player development system has been revamped. You have your coaching staff how you want it. You have everything you could want in Detroit. Now you got to go win. Yeah. And yeah. And if the from, uh, from a fan's perspective, that would be one of the great benefits of winning would be not having to have that realistic or not realistic kind of cloud like hanging over every time there's a managerial opening or a projected managerial opening you know you know after aj's first season i wrote uh that he could be an iconic manager in the city of detroit an iconic coach all right as a, a scotty bowman a sparky anderson right now it seems like dan campbell has surpassed him as the coach most likely to reach iconic status in this city uh, but all it, all it takes is one good year, and AJ could be with this long term deal. He could be right back on the trajectory to achieving such a such a status. Well, he's ahead of Monty Williams. Uh, well, yes. 
but shout out to the Pistons. I was getting the dub completely overshadowed on yeah. the night of a crazy Lions game too. I was wa- watching that him. game on my phone, uh, the last seconds or whatever, uh, right as the the Lions Cowboys game started. So uh, yeah, it was uh, again memorable night in uh, multiple capacities. Shout out Kate Cunningham for uh, holding it together during this really rough stretch. And now I don't have to constantly hear from Rangers fans that their team has won a game more recent. <laughs> my favorite basketball team. <laughs> uh, all right, Cody. Anything else you want to get into before we jet out of here? No, I think that is it. Again, happy new year to everyone. Uh, I hope there's a lot to look forward to and talk about in the year ahead. Yep. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Hopefully, this is a, a small part of your holiday. Um, and again, hopefully for all you Wolverine fans out there, you have yourselves a, a nice uh, New Year's Day. And thank everybody for subscribing, Apple, Spotify, Five Star Review if you feel so inclined, YouTube, Turn the Corner Podcast, Twitter, X formerly known as Twitter, at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran Otisworth, Steckley Pod Pages, at Turn Corner Pod. Thank you for all the kind words. Uh, really means a lot when uh, I post something with my dad, and, and, and you know, it, it never never gets old, never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you know, somebody said, like, his. Uh, his rehab, his journey has like been inspirational. So it's like, you know, that, Absolutely. That, and you know, it means a lot to him as well. To, uh, whenever I tell him stuff like that. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great day. subscribing apple spotify five star review if you feel so inclined youtube turn the corner podcast twitter x formerly known as twitter at cody stavenhagen i am at kieran underscore steckley pod pages at turn corner pod thank you for all the kind words uh really means a lot when uh, i post something with my dad and and, and you know it, it never never gets old never ceases to amaze me uh you know somebody said like his uh his rehab his journey has like been inspirational so it's like you know that that Absolutely. And, you know, it means a lot to him as well to, uh, whenever I tell him stuff like that. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great new year.